Okay, today we're with uh, John F. Misasi. Uh, John was born on February 24th, 1922. Um, he served in the United States Army, um, mainly in the European theater. Highest rank he, he achieved was uh, as a T4. And today we're in the, the Mowers Park Public Library, and today is October 12th, 2007. This is Fidencio Marbella. Uh, I'm an employee of the library. We're also here with Heidi Krug, a reference librarian, also with the Mowers Park Public Library. Uh, this interview is being conducted for the Veterans History Project at the Library of Congress. Okay, let's go ahead and get started, John. Um, why don't you tell me where you were when you found out about uh, Pearl Harbor? What were you doing? Do you remember? I was at home, okay. and uh, I was listening to the radio. And that's where I heard Pearl Harbor. And at that time, I knew there was one fellow in the Arizona from Melrose Park. His name was Frank Yomini. And uh, we all felt bad because he was a very good football player at the Proviso High School. And he had told his dad that he wanted to join his Dad said, no, you're too young. He was 17. And uh, he had kept pestering him until he, his father broke down and let him go, you know. Little did he know that he was going to meet up with the sunken ship, you know. And his dad never felt right after that because he felt that he was responsible for his son passing away under that condition. But he had, he did what the son wanted him to do, let him go. So he went. Yeah. So after, um, after you found out about uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, did you go and enlist right away, or what was your reaction to, to the attack? Well, being uh, like 19 years old at that time, I didn't think much about join the service or anything. I was an apprentice machinist and I was just starting to learn to uh, <laughs> make some money okay. at 50 cents an hour as a as an apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. probably good money back then too. Well, it, it was a start anyway. So um, you went ahead and uh, enlisted. Um, where did you go to do that? We had to go to Chicago. It was a bunch of us that went with a, a bus from Bellwood, where they gave us coffee and rolls, you know. And then from there we went to the uh, the center where they examined us first, you know. And then they uh, classified you on when you wanted to leave. So I took a two leave, a two week leave before I really went into the service. And we went to um, Rockford, the center where they enter you in the service. You know. So that's where you were actually like sworn in as a soldier yeah, in Rockford? Yeah, in Rockford. Mm -hmm. Now, you left there for a training camp, I would imagine. Um, yes. Where did you go from Rockford? From Rockford, we took a train in Chicago and uh, traveled five days to Seattle, Washington. 
and uh, we took our 90-day training there, three months of training. What kind of training was this? Was it just basic um, injuries? Basic short-order drills and uh, marching, okay. you know, and calisthenics of different kinds. And from there we uh, went down to Indio, California, where we, got, we were stationed in a, in a desert area, Camp Laguna. However, when I got there, they had a sign on the wall, who wants to go to school? So I signed up. And within a few days, I was in Fort Knox, Kentucky. So what kind of school was this that you signed up Truck for? and tractor mechanic. Okay. Yeah. So they shipped you out from uh, California to Kentucky? Uh, from Yeah, from California to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. What was uh, Fort Knox like? It, it was very military-oriented. Uh, when you went to school, you had your books under your arm, and you marched to the cadence of the uh, army uh, war, you know, army marching songs. And you march down the street all the way to the school with your with your uh, books under your arm, you know. And everything was, you know, according to the army style. And I felt proud, you know, to be one of the bunch that uh, marched in, 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 what do you call it, uh, in sequence to one another. Okay. And then when we went to school, then they had a teacher to teach you uh, different parts of uh, how to uh, repair tracks on the tractor or... Um, uh, a tank, or and then we had heavy equipment like 10 ton wreckers that could lift the tank up, show us how to use that. I ended up being a, uh, a truck and tractor mechanic, and I also drove the 10 ton wrecker. Okay. Another oh. fellow from Tennessee was my co driver. Okay. Did it take you a long time to learn how to drive a, a, a 10 ton wrecker? No, because I had some experience with a five-ton, but the ten-ton had many uh, arms to extend from the uh, truck, and you lay down the ground, and you could pick up a tank with it. Yeah, they had the uh, I, I've forgotten the, the nomenclatures of these things. <laughs> yeah, we had cables like you know that were. Uh, were used mechanically through the truck, you know, and you could pull and uh, do many things with this cable. Say a, a tank fell over the side, or we could hook it up under the tank and pull it, pull it upwards, or you could put it back on its tracks so it could move again. Yeah. Now, when you were in Fort Knox. Um were you allowed to take leave at any time or on the weekends? On weekends, we, we were allowed to go home okay. or wherever you wanted to go. Okay. Would you usually come home on the weekends? I usually did, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. and what would you do when you would uh, come home on leave? Some of the things that you, you tried to enjoy that you couldn't in the Army? The, the family. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I was gone like 39 months, you know. 
and uh, the few days that I came during that period was a break right off the start, but then I never came home after that. So what was it like living in uh, the barracks at Fort Knox? What was the food like? Well, being young and always hungry, <laughs> whatever they gave you, you ate. You were happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the food wasn't bad. Did, did you have a hard time adapting to uh, military life? or did you kind of? No, I, I didn't. I, I was always uh, in favor of, of being in, in the Army once I was in. I enjoyed my fellow uh, uh, members, you know, and uh, I did the best I could, you know. And I was proud, you know. And wh when I went to school, they gave me two stripes. That's a T5. That T5, okay. T5, yeah. And uh, they also gave me a certificate. I don't think many people got a certificate oh. when they got... What was the certificate for? To show that I went to school and, and I was graduated from a private to a T5. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after you were done with uh, Fort Knox, where did you head off to then? From Fort Knox, we went back to the desert area. In uh, California? In California. It was called Camp Laguna, which was in the Mojave Desert. And that's where we had the, the tanks and half-tracks and jeeps. You know. And it's very, very hot, like 120 degrees. And during the day, you couldn't work on any vehicle because it was so hot you couldn't even touch them, you know. And they would allow us to go under a tank in the shade and cool off for a couple hours until it got cooler. And then we'd go out, maybe go on uh, some uh, journey of driving through the desert, you know. And if you were a driver, yeah, a little porthole to look through. The driver in the, the tank? In the tank. Okay. Yeah, the tank driver. Then you have others that are standing a little higher than you, and they could look up through the turret. You know. If you're a driver, you're, you can see only through the hole. And uh, there was many times that, you know, sometimes there's a, a rain wash in the desert where creates a dip <laughs> and maybe you don't see that and all of a sudden boom you go down <laughs> then you come back up again so you, you actually learned how to drive uh, tanks also yeah 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 I was in a tank outfit for about uh, 12 or 15 months okay. and what unit was that the 742nd light tank battalion do you know what kind of tanks they were? were they, uh... It was an M5 howitzer tank. It had a short howitzer okay. where you could lob okay. the, the missile. So it wasn't direct fire, but it was more like a it mortar? Was, it, it was uh, more of a, a high lofted one, then it lands okay. in the area. Like artillery, almost? Yeah. How did you like driving the tank? Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And how long did it take you to learn how to how to drive a machine like that? It wasn't very hard because all you needed to know is the two sticks you have. 
you pull the right one, it goes right, pull the left one, it goes left. <laughs> and then if you pull both of them, it's, it's to break. Yeah. Okay. Very simple. Yeah, it was simple. And uh, they had two Cadillac engines on this tank and a hundred and two hundred, one hundred, two one hundred uh, gallons of gas in two tanks. But they had one transmission. Two engines to one transmission okay. for the power to go to the, the drive of the 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 track. Okay. One engine for each track. No, they 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 both went to the like um, the transmission. They go to oh, the okay. transmission, okay. and the transmission has the power of two engines. Because okay. yeah. yeah. these tanks were pretty heavy, you know. Were they pretty fast too? These tanks were very fast. They go as far as 60 miles an hour, and we also had rubber tracks on it. So you can go on a concrete highway if you want. Okay. Did you? Uh, no, we were in the desert most okay. of the time, so we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to drive the streets. We didn't have to drive the streets. And the funny thing about the desert is the distance. You would think that five miles would be a long distance, but out in the open like that, it looked like it was right next to you, you know. We tried walking to a mountain one day. And we thought we'd get there in an hour. We walked three hours. We didn't even break the uh, the distance, so it still looked <laughs> far. So we realized that. So you gave up. <laughs> we gave up and came back. Yeah. Then we had uh, binoculars that are adjusted with uh, some kind of a graph, you know. And you could measure if you know the measurement of the uh, item that is out there like a half track. You can also figure out how many miles it is from your stance to the uh, to the vehicle that okay. you looked at. Okay, after you're done with uh, your tank training in uh, California, where did you head off to then? Uh, our duty in California was to protect the coast from the Japanese at that time. So we also were trained to go to Africa in the desert out there. However, the African campaign was almost over. So they sent us to Louisiana for swamp training with the tanks. And that's where we met a lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> and. Uh, we learned how to use logs to pull out of a swamp and stuff like that. Okay. Was this uh, Fort Polk? Camp Polk. Camp At that Polk? time, they yeah. called them camps. Yeah. Camp Polk, Louisiana. Leesville. Leesville. So we uh, had our training there. And while I was in training, they transferred me to the field artillery because they, they were in need of the truck and tractor mechanics. Okay. I and four others were transferred at one time. How did you feel having to leave your uh, original unit? Well, I felt bad because I was with the other unit for over a year. And uh, 
I felt like I was at home with them, you know. But within a short time, I got used to the new people that I was with. Yeah. And we uh, ended up in uh, Camp Hood, Texas. And from there, we took a train and went to Camp Shanks, New York. And we caught the ship there to go to uh, uh, England. Now, how long a trip it was, was it going from New York to uh, England? How many days? It, it took about 13 days to get there. What was that like? Well, there was such an armada of ships around you that you can see the end of the, the ships. There was so many of them. However, when we got to Liverpool, we were chased by a submarine, a German submarine. And we were chased way up north where it was very cold. We had to put our heavy underwear and um, suits on. Then our uh, NA sub units finally chased them away or something. And we came back again. Okay. Now, what was it like having to spend 13 days on a, on a ship in the, the Atlantic? What did you do to pass the time? There wasn't much that we could do. We had uh, hammocks to sleep on, and uh, sometimes we'd be up on top of the ship, you know. And most of the fellows were pretty sick, throwing up over the sides. And there were about 20 or 30 uh, toilets that had no seats or anything on, and two bars to hold on to. And they were <laughs> using that <laughs> for more than one way, you know. <laughs> but uh, I was warned by some of the sailors, says, whatever you do, keep your stomach full, eat, and that'll stop you from throwing up. Really? Yeah. So I did that. Did that work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was uh, your reception like uh, in Liverpool? Did you get to see a lot of the English people when you landed? Uh, when we landed, our captain uh, had us all march, like the soldiers should march, you know. And he says, uh, stand up straight and march like you are a soldier, you know. So we did. And the people were very, very nice people. Yeah. So we made our march and they brought us to these Quonset huts. And that's where we stayed for a month while we got our equipment ready to go across the channel. What did you have to do to get your uh, equipment ready? What was the process? Uh, the guns were, were covered with cosmoline. You know, when you're on salty water, it could rust your equipment. So we had to clean all that stuff off and get it ready for battle, you know. So when we went to the, the English Channel, we crossed it, and we went to uh, the Battle of Brest, the city of Brest. That was the submarine base the Germans had. From there, they attacked the Atlantic, you know. So was this in about June or July of 1944? It, it was like uh, July. July. Well, what were your yeah, thoughts yeah. when you left England to head for France? Were you at all nervous? or? Uh, well, actually, we didn't know what was know. going on, you know. 
how I knew it was going to cross the channel. <laughs> and uh, we were field artillery. It wasn't hand-to-hand -hand combat. You know. Yeah, we were lucky on that part. Okay. So you actually landed in Europe in Normandy? Well, that's part of Normandy. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. On Utah Beach. Okay. They had two beaches, Omaha and Utah. Utah was uh, to the south of uh, Normandy. Okay. And that was where the city of Brest is located. Okay. So why was it important that um, the American Army had to capture Brest? They had the submarine base there. We had to get rid of the subs because they were like they chased us away, you know. And uh, we took it took us a good month with air power dropping bombs and artillery dropping bombs. And they had uh, fortifications that were six feet thick in steel and uh, concrete. Were those the submarine pens? That, the, that, that was the the area where they were hiding below ground, okay. you know. And uh, they had enough food to last five years, canned food. So they were well set to stay for a long time. But the tremors were so great that they couldn't stand it anymore. So they gave up, and our battle was over for, with with that area. Then we kept moving up toward Paris, and they had some small skirmishes on the way up there, like a town of Nancy and some others. By the time we got to Paris, it, it was already taken by the Americans. And we, we marched down the Champs-de-Elysees to the Arc de, of the Triomphe, and we felt like we were <laughs> Uh, no, we had accomplished something. And in a short time, we uh, headed for St. Beth, Belgium. And at that time, the weather was warm, and the grounds were muddy, and they couldn't come toward us, and we couldn't go toward them. So we just stayed there for a while, until the Battle of the Bulge. So this would have been sometime in the fall, maybe of 1944? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the Battle of the Bulge for us started one morning in St. Bit. And the, the uh, German soldiers were dressed in white to match the snow. It got very cold, bitter cold. And uh, they came down the slope and attacked our infantry, and our infantry was annihilated. And our artillery guns were right behind them, and they were ordered to destroy the guns with thermite bombs in the breach. So they destroyed all the guns, then they radioed, radioed back to us to take off. So we put all our equipment, all the gas tank, uh, cans and everything on top of the truck. And we went cross country to the border of France. And we, we stayed there, well I stayed there for about three days. And then I was ordered to uh, take the captain to the front lines. He needed a driver to bring yeah. him up there? Yeah. 
and he needed somebody that could understand a little German. Is that why you were picked? And I had worked with Germans for a whole year, you know, and they spoke a lot of German. <laughs> and uh, I knew a few words just by fraternizing with, uh, with the people, you know. So he took me with him. And uh, the snow was about this high, you know. About two, and, three feet. Yeah. We had uh, chains on each wheel. It was a four-wheel drive, you know. The Jeep was. But no cover. Well, you had no canvas cover? Very cold. Driving in the middle of winter. <laughs> right. And we had woolnet gloves, which didn't do very, very much good, you know. And my fingertips caught, caught a little frost on me. But we stayed out in the front lines for about 13 days, uh, delivering messages from the back to headquarters, you know. And then our, our um, clutch went out, couldn't make a hill anymore. So we had to take the jeep uh, in to have it repaired. And after three days, the captain said, well, let's go back. I told him, Captain, he was a friend of mine. I said, I'm not a Jeep driver, I'm a truck contractor. <laughs> I said, you, I'd rather you take somebody else. <laughs> so he did. He okay. said, okay. He was good about that? Yeah. He was a good guy. Yeah, what was... Uh, His name was Captain Howard Becker. He was of German descent from uh, New Jersey. Yeah, very nice man. So after yeah, you stopped going... He, he was about like 30 years old. We were like 21. Huh? More like a big brother? Yeah. He was sort of balding already. No. <laughs> <laughs> but very smart. And uh, he often used to sit with me to put bearings on a wheel or something like that. He says, I never did that before. Show me how you do it. You know. So you get bearings, you know, and you put some grease in there. Palm your hand, you press the grease through your, the bearing, you know, okay. and then you put it on on the vehicle, you know. Yeah, we used to do uh, a lot of trucks for the Red Ball outfit, the ones, the ones that would deliver ammunition and stuff to the front lines. They they were very rough with the uh, vehicle, so every once in a while they bring. 10 or 15 of them back to us. We repair them and then wait for another outfit that would take them back again. So we always were working, putting things together. So the Red Ball, were they like the supply trucks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would they drive from like the ports to near where the front lines were, bringing supplies? Well, they, they would drive right to the, uh, the fighting line, you know, okay. sure. So that's why the trucks got so much abuse. Yeah. I guess they didn't take their time driving either. <laughs> In and out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, just wanted to ask you too, when you were driving around with uh, Captain Becker, did you go to any like headquarters buildings? Or yes, what, yes. What was that like seeing all the, the generals? And we, uh, when I first went uh, with him after the, the bulge started, we uh, would take a whole building and uh, there was generals and captains and all kinds of brass. 
with maps on the wall, you know, and they're figuring out what their next move was going to be. Yeah. And that's what we did for about 13 days together. Now, while the um, brass were all talking about strategy and things, what did you do? Did you just kind of... Well, I wasn't, I wasn't too interested because I didn't understand what they were saying anyway. <laughs> <laughs> did you end up going through the houses yourself and see what was there? Or? Uh, we would go into a house maybe at nighttime for cover, but not to, uh, not to investigate the house. But we did... Uh, Sometimes take over it, um, like a, a lumber yard, so we okay. could use the uh, the stalls for repairing vehicles. And there might be a woman with some children in there, because all the men were not; they were gone. You know, they were in service with the Germans, and we'd often give them some of our food, you know, some flour, some sugar, and they might make some cookies okay. or something like that. So kind of trade things. Yeah, and we, tr we sort of protected them too because there was many, uh, even Americans, that would come in there and try to steal blankets and, uh, and pillows and stuff. And we would stop them. So you don't belong here, you belong to another section, get out of here, otherwise we'll report you, and then they'd leave, yeah. So we, they were glad when we were there, and uh, they were afraid of the, of the uh, Russians, because the Russians wouldn't treat them that well, you know. Now, did you have a hard time communicating with them? I mean, no, with the few words that I learned, you know, I, I could converse. And then we had uh, one fellow from Austria, but American-born, and he spoke a little German too. Yeah. So what happened um, after the Battle of the Bulge? How did we end up stopping uh, Germans? Well, the reason why they got so far with their battle was the fog that was so thick you couldn't see in front of you. And it lasted for three days. So our air power was dead. They couldn't go up in the sky. So they made their push because they knew the layout of the land. And they knew where the weak spots were. And they came right through like that. And when that happened, they gave me a bazooka to fire on a tank if it got close to you knock out the track and then it would be disabled. However, when it did come toward me, I couldn't see who it was, if it was American or, or German. So I had to let it go by. And I didn't even see it, I just heard it. <laughs> Had you ever fired a bazooka before? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were trained so for were. that. Okay. Yeah. And a bazooka, when you fire it, it shoots out a flame. So whoever you're shooting it at, they'll see where it came from. And guess what they're going to do? <laughs> well, you're lucky you didn't have to shoot. They're going to knock out that flame. <laughs> <laughs> so 
then after the fog cleared, um, then our Air Force was able to take to the skies again? The Air Force came, and, and in a short time, they bombed the strategic uh, roadways. And, uh, and the Germans had to give up because they were outnumbered then. So then this would bring us to about, what, January of 45? Uh, it's got to be around that close. time. Okay. Yes. So what happened, or what did you do after um, uh, the Battle of the Bulge? Or did your unit after the Battle of the Bulge, we had to go to uh, Luxembourg and Czechoslovakia okay. to quell uh, the SS troops that were needlessly killing civilians. Was it in the concentration camp? No, no. This is this is the city of. City. Uh, in Czechoslovakia, I forget what the. Okay, pull it on the map. Yeah, I have it on the map. But uh, the people were very nice after it was over. The young ladies would come and put homemade medals on us to thank us for. Uh, saving them from the VSS troops. Yeah. So we were there for about two or three weeks, and then we uh, went down to Germany, and we were assigned to the concentration camps for a couple of weeks. And what was that like? Which camp uh, were you assigned to? Do you remember? I really don't remember the name. But they were young people, 14 years old, 15 years old and old people, like 70 and 80. In the camp? In the camp. Because all the good soldiers were dispersed all over the uh, the Europe, you know. Did you get to talk to any of them? Oh, yeah. Okay. What were yeah. they like? Well, they weren't afraid. <laughs> I guess the war was over once they were in the concentration camp. Okay. And uh, they were not treated like Hitler treated them, you know. Yeah. Hitler treated the, the Jewish people like they were animals, the poor thing. But these were all Germans themselves. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Were they relieved that the, that the war was finally over? Well, we only stayed there a few days you know, to meet the people. What, what was your reaction like when you heard that the, the war in Europe was finally over? What did you, uh, oh, how did you find out? Well, when we were in Czechoslovakia, we found out it was over. Okay. Yeah. So then we were anxious to get home. Okay. And you're supposed to have like 70 points or so to get out. Okay. How did you earn points? By the, okay. the amount of time that you were there. Okay. Yeah. So I had 72 points. And I was ready to leave, you know. So we went to uh, Marseille, France, waiting for a boat to take us home. And they went on strike, longshoreman strike. From week to week, we were there three months. Just waiting for a ship. Waiting for a ship to take us home. So then when we did get a ship, it was the Bardstown Victory Ship. It's a small ship. And we went through the Portugal and uh, 
Then from there we went through the Azores. And there we had storm for three days. That ship was so small, it was always up in the air with the propeller spinning in the air, you know. And that's where a lot of people got sick. <laughs> How did you do? I was okay. <laughs> I had a good stomach. <laughs> yeah. Now, aside from the And it storm, took us 13 days to get home to see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. What was that like when you first saw the Statue of Liberty? Oh, that, that was really uh, soul-touching, I tell you, when you see that. And I had a camera on, on board and I took a picture of the statue as they came in. Yeah. So then you, uh, after passing the, the Statue of Liberty and you actually docked, was there a crowd there to welcome you back home? Or what was that like? Actually, no. <laughs> no, we were like... You were old news? Every, every day. Yeah, we were old news because it was three months after the war. Okay. Okay. Not three months, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, the, the first ones that landed, I guess they were wined and dined and uh, marched in the streets, you know, of New York. But we did, we got in, they fed us, then we got on another train to go home. So that you went it. from uh, New York to Chicago? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, to, uh, we had to go to uh, Rockford again. Okay. So what happened in Rockford? You were at that's your actual uh, discharge. Yeah, that's where we got mustered out. Yeah. Okay. Now, how did you get home to Mellows Park from Rockford? Oh, uh, we took the train to the, to Chicago. Then I jumped on the elevator, and and uh, we had a uh, streetcar in Melrose at the time. Okay. Down Lake Street. Going all the way to Twenty Fifth. Okay. So you took the streetcar home. So I had that duffel bag on my shoulder. Okay. <laughs> and we took it all the way to 25th. Okay. Then I walked home. Did your family know you were coming? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Was anybody there to meet you from the... The house was full. Okay. Yeah. But nobody met me at the... At the... Uh, at the streetcar uh, exit. <laughs> they were all inside the house. Because <laughs> we, we didn't have any cell phones in those days. Okay. <laughs> so were they surprised when they actually saw you? Or? No, they knew I was coming. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. But they didn't know when. So what was that like, your your homecoming? Um, the whole family was there? Yeah. All my aunts and uncles and cousins, they were all there. How long did the celebration go on that you were back home? All day? Well, it was toward the evening when I re arrived, so it wasn't too long, you know. Because uh, many, many of them had to go to work the next day. <laughs> and in those days, I don't know, like today, they had to get up like 6 o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to work at 7. You know. Now, did, did the town have any kind of homecoming for the soldiers once they all came back? Uh, I don't remember of any. But we did get uh, certificates from the clerk and the mayor. Yeah. Now, did you have a difficult time adjusting again once you came back from the, from the war? What did you do uh, when you first came back? The only thing that bothered me was the airport was so close, you know, O'Hare Airport. Okay. A lot of planes going overhead. 
in, at night when I hear a plane, I sort of, <laughs> you know, yeah, it did affect me for quite a while. Because we got bombed many times, you know. And you had to make a slit trench to get your body below the, the earth. Because when they drop bombs, shrapnel flies, you know. And you find shrapnel on the side of your slit trench, the, the dirt that you put up on top, you know, would catch the, the steel fragments. So every time you stopped, you had to dig a trench? Well, most most times, if we're going to stay there for any length of time, you know. there was other times when we crossed the uh, Rhine River and Mangs River. Once you got on the other side, you usually had to dig a hole into the sand, you know, but the sand would always cave in. So uh, this this fellow from Tennessee, Raymond Sutton. Him and I would go into the woods and try to find something more suitable. And one time we found a sod that was about 24 inches thick that made a port, a port inside, okay. where it made like one big room, you know. Okay. So we would cover that up and we'd stay there during okay. the night. Well, during the night, the Germans flared up the sky with light. And all these poor guys that were in these holes, they all come out one at a time and came by us because <laughs> we were hidden. <laughs> there was about 20 of us in there. Luckily, they didn't shoot a bomb in there. <laughs> but we did uh, survive that night. And the next morning, we took off again. Yeah. Now, did your unit ever have any casualties from the, the bombing? Uh, we had casualties, uh, but it was like by mistake. When, 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 you're, when you're settling down at night, you don't park underneath your truck to sleep. Okay. You make your slit trench first, okay. and that's where you lay down, you know. Okay. And if it's cold, you use your, uh, uh, what do you call it? Your, the sack for your sleeping bag. The sleeping bag, yeah. You use your sleeping bag, take off your shoes, and get in there for the, for the evening. And uh, lost my train of thought. Oh, the casualties? And, and, and you go into the hole with, that you made, you know, the slit trench. So you're protected in case of a sudden bombing attack. Yeah. And being young, you don't have the fear that you have when you when you get older. Really, you don't have that fear. But today I would be. <laughs> uh, young and stupid. <laughs> that's it. That's why they want the young. <laughs> They don't realize the dangers involved. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing your memories with us. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Okay. okay. You're welcome. <laughs>